Welcome to This is a Story, a podcast about the June 22nd, 2021 referendum at Grand Forks Public Schools. I'm your host, Tracy Jentz, Communications and Community Engagement Coordinator at Grand Forks Public Schools. The referendum is the first for Grand Forks Public Schools in several decades. The referendum includes two questions, a bond for up to $86 million for school improvement projects and a 10 mil increase in the building fund. This referendum will impact every school facility in the city of Grand Forks for years to come. This podcast will provide information only and will share the perspectives of those involved in the process leading up to the referendum. Episodes will cover the aspects of finance, facilities, safety and security, and more. We hope you will follow along on this journey. Are you ready for our guests to tell their stories? Melissa Bukup has been a teacher at Grand Forks Public Schools since 2010, serving first as a second grade teacher and now as a fourth grade teacher at Century Elementary School. Melissa has been a teacher mentor through the North Dakota Teacher Support System and is currently the president of the Grand Forks Education Association, more commonly referred to as GFEA. She has a bachelor's degree in elementary education from Concordia College in Moorhead, Minnesota, and a master's degree in teaching and technology from Valley City State University. Melissa, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Uh, So for our listeners, it is Thursday, May 20th. Thank you for having me in your classroom today. Absolutely. (laughs) It's so exciting to be with a teacher and be in a classroom again. So this podcast centers around the concept of storytelling and encourages guests to share their perspective on the upcoming referendum. Melissa, are you ready to tell the story? Sure. So first, let's talk about modern learning environments. Looking around your classroom, I see the use of one-to-one digital devices where each student has a device mm-hmm. along with flexible seating. What does a modern learning environment look like to you? A modern learning environment is a space where the kids can really collaborate and work together. So whether it's tables or desks that are movable, furniture that they can move around and rearrange, space to spread out and create projects and to work together. If possible, also just a space to collaborate with the other students in your grade level or even other grades within your school. Obviously, that's been a lot more difficult and not able to do this year. In normal years, it is great to have that space to just collaborate across the board when wanting to. And I've been lucky enough to be in your classroom and to see some of the Mm -hmm. projects that your students do. Mm -hmm. That's been fantastic to be able to see that in action. So as the president of GFEA, I think you would have a unique understanding and perspective on this. Our modern learning environment something you see throughout our school system in most or all of our schools? I think teachers do the best that they can with what they have to work with to make it as modern as possible, but it is not ideal in every building in the spaces provided. The setup of some of our classrooms or what's available in some of our classrooms. Mm -hmm. Thinking about your classroom and the setup here at Century Elementary, Mm -hmm. how would that work if you wanted to collaborate with another teacher either at the fourth grade level or at another grade level? Is there a common space or would you use a space in one of the classrooms? Within our school at Century, if we want to collaborate with other classrooms or other grade levels, we end up going to another person's classroom. So it can get a little squishy in our rooms and then we often will have our kids spread out into the hallway if needed. Is it ideal? Probably not. But like I said, we will just try to use what we have. Mm-hmm. The Tim Gunn make it work. That's right. Uh, What do you think, if anything, the school system would need to do to achieve more of these modern learning environments in our buildings and in our spaces? 
That's a tough one. I think as we're looking at how can we redesign or consolidate some of our schools into new spaces, that definitely helps when you get to build a new building and design it however you want. That's awesome. Discovery, they totally took into account collaboration and working together in the design of that new building. That's awesome. Obviously, we can't do that to every building, but I think that teachers and staff, they're looking at what can we do with our spaces within also and do we have any spaces that we can use you know some schools i know used to have space they could use and then you end up with more sections or more students and then your collaborative spaces all of a sudden become classrooms again so it's definitely something that's looked at every year Again, we get creative with our spaces. It's been really nice now that it's been warm because then we can move outside, but obviously North Dakota, you can't move outside <laughs> all year long. So when we can, we definitely take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. And I think the kids really enjoy that too, because they get you know the natural sunlight, all the different things outside can offer that maybe an indoor environment cannot. Absolutely, absolutely. So focusing on teaching and learning in a broader sense, mm -hmm. academics in the Marzano High Reliability Schools, or HRS framework, is one of three strategic priorities in Grand Forks Public Schools strategic plan. The HRS framework helps ensure that each student is provided a quality instructional experience by identifying best practices to implement in schools to improve student achievement. So Grand Forks Public Schools has achieved level one certification, mm -hmm. safe, supportive, collaborative culture, and is working towards level two, effective teaching in every classroom. In what area or areas do you see Grand Forks Public Schools really excelling in teaching and learning in that HRS framework? I think over the past few years, we have definitely excelled in meeting the needs of our students at our different levels. We're definitely doing everything we can to meet the students where they are at. It's been wonderful with our buildings when we have access to interventionists or paras support because then we definitely can do a much better job at meeting the needs of our students when we have those resources available. I think our switch to having more one-to-one -one technology, even though by no means do we want kids on a device all day, but having that option gives us more opportunities to meet the needs of our students or if a teacher is working with a group of students, we can have some at their level that they're working on as well, just so that we are making sure our students are making growth and making progress. So again, thinking of you not only as a teacher, but as the president of GFEA, mm -hmm. in what area or areas in our school system could we improve upon in teaching and learning? I think definitely the interventionist piece and having those resources available. When we have so many schools that we're sharing resources with, we sometimes can have limited resources. But I think one of the best ways that at least at the elementary level that we're going to be able to catch some of our students up is having those interventionists and those extra teachers. Smaller class sizes totally make a difference. I mean, a smaller class size allows more one-on-one -on -one attention and better meeting of needs of our students. So that I think is huge too, to see that growth and improvement and reach our students where they're at. And we do have a number of, as you had mentioned, traveling teachers who go mm -hmm. between campus. Mm -hmm. So of course their time's limited or becomes mm -hmm. more limited because you need to add in the travel time as well. Yep. And one of the conversations with previously was with Dr. Trisha Lee in special education. We talked about special educators and how they travel, mm -hmm. but we also have other teachers in other areas that travel as well, correct? Yes. We have music teachers, Spanish teachers, gym teachers. We have a reading specialist in our building that's in one building in the morning and another building in the afternoon. So it just also limits the flexibility and the schedule 
when you have to share with another building because knowing that you're only going to have that person in the afternoon or only have that person in the morning, it really limits that flexibility and within your schedule. Human resources is also an area listed in Grand Forks Public Schools strategic plan. Some of the goals and strategies within are to attract applicants, develop and sustain regionally competitive compensation and benefits packages. So in your opinion, is this achievable within our current environment? Our current environment? No. What we have available to us right now, I don't think so because we understand the situation our district as the teachers, but they're very limited on what they can give their teachers. And if you can't give teachers a competitive salary, they're going to look elsewhere. So we had talked before we came on the podcast. Um, mm-hmm. So you're part of the, the group that would negotiate on behalf of the teachers. There was a mm-hmm. tentative agreement that had been reached. What have been some of the conversations and things that teachers have brought forward or conversations with the board kind of looking forward to a one, two year outlook in the school system? You know, we definitely had that conversation of we understand the situation we're in, but we also have to look at how are we going to bring in new teachers and how are we going to retain the teachers that we have. And hopefully two years from now, we will be in a much better situation and we will really be able to look at how are we going to attract and retain those teachers. So thinking about this last year, and I hesitate to even call it a year because it's been more (laughs) than that. Thinking about the end of last school year and Mm -hmm. this school year, how has it been for you? How has it been for our teachers? You're kind of building the plane in many ways as you're flying it. It's been a lot. I think it's something that obviously no one ever expected. I think our teachers have been working harder than ever. Not that we don't always work hard, but we've often had kids sick and out. You've never had kids out for two weeks and trying to catch them up in two weeks of curriculum or trying to keep them going during that two weeks while they're gone. Our high school teachers were teaching hybrid for most of the year, so they were double teaching every day, trying to just, in a situation where we're so used to our students working collaboratively and moving around and doing all these things to, you can't leave your spot and you have to leave your mask on and you a lot more with just management that we haven't had to deal with before. You know, the teachers did what we needed to do and we worked through it. And I think the students and the teachers are probably more exhausted than normal at the end of this year as everybody else in their profession is, I'm sure as well. But we made it through and we hopefully still made it a great school year for our students. And we are looking forward to the much needed break for everyone across the board. (laughs) I was thinking the other day of the surveys that we had sent out and Mm -hmm. some of the concerns that everybody had shared. And it just, it's amazing to think of how far that we've come and Mm -hmm. that we really have about five days of school left after this. Mm -hmm. Um, Are there some practices that were put into place maybe in the last couple of months again during this time that's something that you would think about in your classroom or the school system to look at? Maybe how, again, thinking about modern learning environments, something that we might sustain over time. You had talked a little bit about it'll be nice to take the masks off and students to Mm -hmm. be networking a little bit more, but has there been some changes in the instructional model that might stay? I think maybe more 
at the high school level, they might end up seeing more with online options. I mean, I think at the elementary school, I guess even at elementary, technology maybe will be used more. We went from some people using lots of technology to some people dabbling in technology to being forced into technology. And so I think now everyone will find kind of their happy balance and their happy medium with technology incorporation into their classrooms. Other things, I don't know. Those are conversations that a lot of us have been having. What's going to stick around and what's going to go away? And I think it's almost too soon to say because definitely we didn't like not having to be able to have our students move around and having to have everybody spread out. So hopefully those are not things that stay. The push for the really watching classroom numbers in our classrooms, obviously we'd love that one to stay, but don't think that's going to happen in the next two years. But hopefully two years down the road, that can be something that's looked at again, the importance of the smaller class size. I think that's like the million dollar question, <laughs> what's going to stay and what's going to go? <laughs> and I think it's true in any occupation mm -hmm. or in any area. So thinking about the proposed K-8 campus mm -hmm. on the north end of Grand Forks, what are your thoughts or what are you hearing again as president of GFEA from some of our colleagues about the thought of maybe having some consolidation of the smaller schools, a new building for Valley Middle School? What's been some of the conversation that our staff have been having? You know, I think obviously not everybody agrees 100%, but, and it's never easy when you're talking about closing a school, but I think people are starting to understand the why. Obviously, there's no question Valley needs a new building tenfold. They're lucky that they're even still in that building, I think, at times. So I think tenfold people are like, absolutely, Valley needs a new building. And I think when you look at the other schools too, and when you start explaining and talking about the sharing of specialists and being able to have more collaboration within your staff, to not have such a wide ranging class size and for class size to become more equitable across the, the board, you know, not having 12 in your room or 27 in your room because that's the only option in your building. I think it's always great too to just have more students to collaborate with, more students to switch it up with each year. Just having that variety of teaching styles and hopefully a better use of all of our resources to provide even more for our students. And you had touched on it a little bit. I know in Dr. Lee's podcast mm -hmm. uh, episode, she had talked about some of her staff being nomads. Yeah. And so they're traveling from building to building. So thinking about that, one of the things that I hear administrators, um, I think some members of the task force talk about as well through their work is the increased collaboration, as you said, students mm -hmm. will have, but also teachers. So what is it like for some of our teachers? Have you gotten some feedback if they're the only or maybe one of two at a certain grade level in a school? How does that work for them? Is it something that they would look forward to, to having that more collaboration, more people at their grade level in the mm -hmm. building? I think it is something that people appreciate to have the extra minds to collaborate with. I know one person I talked with talked about how sometimes you don't realize what you're missing out on. Like, you know, yes, you were able to collaborate grade level to grade level, but didn't realize what you were missing 
until you then now had a grade level to collaborate with. And it was like, oh my gosh, like I am so glad I have that now. So I think that's some too. There are those unknowns or those things you just don't know of what's going to happen or you don't know what you're missing. Not that that's a bad thing either, but it just allows for more opportunity, I think, for the teachers and for the students. Because I wondered, especially yesterday, I was thinking I was commuting during our PLC. So when the students were releasing mm -hmm. and I thought that must be so interesting to be, you know, what the difference might be throughout the school system, depending mm -hmm. on your role or what building you're in, maybe the number of sections of how a professional learning community or that time would work to talk about students. Because mm -hmm. I'm guessing with some of our schools, it is across grade levels. Mm -hmm. Some might be content. So it'll probably vary from meeting to meeting and depending on what's being discussed. But I'm guessing there's some variety that's going on in the school system. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And like, even I have three people on my team. So we very much collaborate more as a team, but that doesn't mean we don't sometimes go up and talk to fifth grade about stuff or touch base with third grade about things. Or even I know this year, of course, is an exception, but a lot of times our fifth grade rooms buddy up with a kindergarten room. Mm. And so then they have kindergarten buddies. So you still have that collaboration and you can do that in any size building, but you still have both types you have your grade level collaboration, but you still have those opportunities to collaborate with other grade levels as well. Is there anything that I didn't ask you about thinking about the referendum, what's being discussed, again, kind of thinking of the short term or long term of the school system that you would like to share with listeners? I think one of the big ones is that family environment aspect that we hear about a lot, that the small schools have this family environment, and I absolutely agree they do. But being in a big school, I would say our big schools also have that family environment and we know our students and we know students in other grade levels and we have grade level family as well as a whole school family or like in my building it's kind of like hallways we very much have this fourth fifth grade hallway family feeling within the family feeling of our whole big building and i've even had other people that have moved from small schools to bigger schools say wow you know what i was a little worried about moving into a big school but you really do still have that family feeling in the big school as well we know our students just like the small schools know their students and since had quite a year mm -hmm. had a lot we have have had a lot of different things happen and a lot of administrators in the community of course have been thinking of all of you and keeping mm -hmm. you in our hearts with everything that's happened and I can say too as a colleague who comes in and out that I can definitely feel that family feeling here and especially mm -hmm. when something happens it just reinforces that absolutely absolutely this year more than ever we've definitely depended on that family within our school and our staff even though we're a big staff and I maybe don't see some of the people some days, we still definitely have that family feel, I think, within our building. Mm -hmm. Finally, the Fast Five. This is a short segment inspired by the essential elements of a story and influenced by a series of questions from Inside the Actor Studio, a television show hosted by the late James Lipton. Melissa, are you ready for the Fast Five? <sighs> I hope so. Question one, the author. What is one piece of advice you would give to a younger version of yourself? It is okay if everything doesn't get done. You can leave it to the next day and it will be okay. That's advice I need right now. <laughs> Question two, the setting. What is one song that makes you turn up the volume in your car? Oh man, there's so many. Mm -hmm. You know, I think right now it'd be anything from Hamilton. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Question three, the characters. 
What other job in the school system would you like to try for one day? I think being in uh, one of the secretaries in our office and just mm. getting to see everybody that goes by every day and just getting to have those conversations with everyone and just to hear what everyone, what all the kids have to say as they come <laughs> by in the morning. I think that could be interesting. <laughs> oh, especially elementary. Oh, yes. There's such an unfiltered view, I feel like, with elementary students. <laughs> Question four, the plot twist. Share a problem or issue you've experienced in this position and how you worked to address it. I think it was you know, just when we used to be so stationary in your desk, in your chair, not much movement, not much space in our classrooms, and then switching over to that flexible seating and allowing more movement and choice moving around the room. And just the difference that I just saw in the attitudes of the students uh, for the better, just by making that switch in seating in the room. And they really seem to enjoy it. The times that I'm mm -hmm. here going between the tall table, the small or the short table and mm -hmm. everywhere in between. Question five, the resolution. What are three takeaways you would like listeners to remember from today's episode? Our students deserve the best. This is a great school system and we want to keep our school system moving forward. Excellent. Melissa, thank you for being a guest on This Is The Story. You're welcome. <laughs> That's it for this episode of This Is The Story. Thank you for joining us. Remember to subscribe to our podcast and share your takeaways. For more information on Grand Forks Public Schools referendum, please visit our website, www.gfschools.org/referendum. I'm Tracy Jens. Happy storytelling.